This is the Carindale Salvos podcast. A six-year-old girl, she went into a corner store and um, she saw a shiny object sitting on the shelf um, next to the cash register. And so she looked at the, the guy behind the cash register and, and she asked, what's that? And, and the guy at the cash said, that is a thermos. That's a thermos. So inquisitive mind, the four-year-old asked, well, what does it do? Well, it, it keeps hot things hot and it keeps cold things cold, is what the clerk said. Little girl's eyes, they lit up and she said, I'll take it. And she, in short order, plunked her allowance down on the counter and she was out of there. The next morning on her way to school, um, her mother caught a glimpse of her going out the door to the bus and she spied something sticking out of her already overflowing backpack. What's that you have, she inquires. The four-year-old said, it's a thermos. It keeps hot things hot and it keeps cold things cold. Where did you get that? I got it at the corner store, Mom. It keeps hot things hot and it keeps cold things cold. It's just fantastic. I see, said the mom. So what do you have in there? Well, Mom, I've got two cups of hot chocolate and an icy pole. It's a cute story. And it gets a laugh. And you can't beat kids in their logic. And you don't know what they're going to say. I know that for a fact. You just can't make it up if you try. But unfortunately, it's, it's a reality that represents a whole lot of people in their everyday living. You see, people want to both be hot and cold. They want to both enjoy the pleasures of this world, but they also want to have a measure of spirituality. And they're called fence-sitters. I never forget a bumper sticker that I once saw. It said, I used to be indecisive, but now I'm not sure. It really sums up people, doesn't it? sometimes. The fence is a place where many people spend their entire lives. It's a place of indecision and a place of indifference, of uncertainty, of neutrality. Above all, it really is a dangerous place to be. And although we'd often like to think so, the members of Christ's church are not immune to the allure of the fence. There are often times as Christians when we find ourselves in the sad state of a lukewarm life. And that awful word, complacency, it creeps in and it begins to rob us of the passion that God has instilled within our hearts. It's an ugly word, complacency. It's often thought about as a neutral word. 
but it's pretty ugly. And it's not a new problem that we face. Of course, the church has been facing this problem since its beginning. The book of Revelation from which our text came this morning was written by the Apostle John when he was uh, elderly and he was imprisoned on the island of Patmos. And while there, he received this apocalyptic vision from an angel. And through this vision, he was instructed to write to seven churches about what he had seen in this vision. Revelation 1 and 19 describes a basic outline of the entire letter written by John. It says, Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. And it's this pattern that is followed by John. He describes to the seven churches both their qualities, their good qualities, and also their weaknesses, their shortcomings, and places where they could improve. Our text this morning is a warning to one such church, the church in Laodicea. Revelation 3, if you'd like to turn there again. And their weakness, of course, was fence-sitting, lukewarm faith, lukewarm Christianity. Revelation 3 and 15 and 16 say this, we read it earlier, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish that you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. In these words, from the Lord to John, he's describing the, the lukewarm heart attitude of those in the Laodicean church, an attitude that was demonstrated by their actions. Because we know that what's in here overflows into our actions. They were neither cold nor hot in relation to God, just lukewarm. They were indecisive and indifferent. They were uncertain and neutral. In short, they were in a dangerous place. Now I have to ask you a question. Has anyone ever in this place ever truly enjoyed a lukewarm beverage, a lukewarm drink, room temperature coffee. Anybody prefer room temperature coffee? Oh, just, just two or three. You guys are overruled. Room temperature coffee? It has to be hot or cold, right? Hot coffee, cold drink, frozen Coke, iced coffee, right? Agree? Most of you do, I think. It refreshes you on a hot day, those cold drinks. It warms you up on a cold day, which you wouldn't experience here very often, I don't guess. But in Canada, coffee really warms you up. If you give it a shot, if you stroll into a cafe here and you ask for a lukewarm coffee, what do you think, what kind of look do you think you're going to get from someone? Right? Yeah. And there's a reason why you can't find it. There's no demand for blasé. I love that word. Blasé. There's no demand for it. Mediocre has no market. There's no selling points. People strive for one extreme or the other, but never to be plain. When's the last time you said to someone, man, I really need a lukewarm shower? When you're out exercising, you go home, you take a cold shower because it refreshes you. Right? 
When you're cold, you want to warm up, you take a hot shower because it warms you up. Lukewarm, not hot enough to warm you, not cold enough to refresh you. Bottom line, useless. <laughs> it's useless. Similarly, the Lord says here, He would rather that people be either hot, spiritually on fire for Him, or cold, reject Him outright. The Laodiceans understood the analogy because their city drinking water came from a spring six miles to the south over an aqueduct, and it arrived disgustingly lukewarm. It was not hot like the nearby hot springs that people bathed in, nor was it refreshingly cold for drinking. It was lukewarm. It was good for nothing. In fact, it was nauseating. And that was the Lord's response to the Laodiceans. They made him queasy. Yes, believe it or not, the literal translation was to, to vomit. Now, you may be thinking, I get the hot bit. Like, I, I, I know why, why God would want us to be hot and on fire. But why would he rather, if we're not hot, for us to be cold and to reject him outright? Well, in essence, the Lord is saying this, as I see it, okay? Not a translation, my words of what I understand the Lord is saying. He's saying, if instead of living your lukewarm lives, you were living in the coldness of outright rejection, then perhaps that very feeling of your need might cause you to turn towards the true warmth. But as for now, in your indifference, you have just enough to guard yourselves against feeling needy. That God would rather the people of Laodicea to be totally cold towards Him truly gives us an overwhelming indication of how much he truly despises the lukewarm lifestyle. I mean, when I read this warning from God to these people, I'm reminded that this is the only place, the one and only place in all of Scripture where the actions of his people actually make him sick. This is strong stuff this morning. Strong stuff. The words of God that we found in the third book of Revelation today are incredibly challenging. They're challenging to us personally, but they're challenging to us as a church. They are words that must cause us to reflect upon our own personal lives and the life of our church, this body of believers. The question must ever be before us. Have we in some way, have I in some way fallen into the comfortable trap of lukewarm living? Have we, have I become indecisive? Have I become indifferent? Have I become uncertain? Have I become neutral? Have we become these things? Do we find ourselves in a dangerous place personally? It's easy. It's easy to slip into that. It happens. It happens to everyone. We may struggle with these questions because we are all uncertain of what, we perhaps are uncertain of what lukewarmness actually looks like. We've all heard the word, and, and we perhaps all heard of um, Charles Spurgeon. Hands, Charles Spurgeon, yes. He wrote a sermon. It was entitled, an earnest warning against lukewarmness. 
You gotta love those straightforward, to-the-point sermon titles, right? Nothing that leaves you guessing. An earnest warning against lukewarmness. Okay, I want to read you some of that message. He wrote this. The great Charles Spurgeon penned these extremely challenging description of a lukewarm church. Okay, so a description of a lukewarm church. They have prayer meetings, but there are very few present, for they are like quiet evenings at home. Oh, sorry, for they like quiet evenings at home. They prefer quiet evenings at home. They are content to have all things done decently and in order, but vigor and zeal are considered to be vulgar. They have deacons and elders who are excellent pillars of the church if the chief quality of pillars be to stand still and exhibit no motion or emotion. The pastor doesn't fly very far in preaching the everlasting gospel. And he certainly has no flame or fire in his preaching. The pastor may be a shining light of eloquence, but he certainly is not a burning light of grace, setting men's hearts on fire. Lukewarm church. Everything is done in half-hearted, listless, dead and alive ways, as if it did not matter much whether it was done or not. Things are respectably done. The rich families are not offended. The skeptical party is appeased, and the good people are not quite alienated, and things are made pleasant all around. The right things are done, but as to doing them with all your might and soul and strength, a Laodicean church has no notion of what that means. They are not so cold as to abandon their work, or to give up their meetings, or to reject the gospel, but they are neither hot for the truth, they're not hot for conversions, they're not hot for holiness, they are not fiery enough, I love this, <laughs> I love this picture here, they are not fiery enough to burn the stubble of sin, nor zealous enough to make Satan angry, nor fervent enough to make a living sacrifice of themselves upon the altar of their God, they are neither cold nor hot. They are Lukewarm. Wow. <laughs> That's some heavy stuff. Challenging stuff. I don't know if I've said this since we've been here, but um, Krista and I will generally not make an excuse for the challenge of Scripture. Um, it, it is written to challenge us. It was written to challenge us. It was written to challenge, to challenge us. Individually, corporately. I mean, these words of warning from God, both to the, the church of the day and to us, have to be some of the most challenging and powerful words recorded in all of Scripture. And they are words that are meant to shock us. Shock us out of complacency, of indifference. But they are nothing compared to the words that finish out the third chapter of Revelation. You, you see, the wonderful thing about God is, is that in, in the midst of, of frustration and in the midst of failure, in the midst of our shortcomings, He always shows up with a solution for us. Always. To those who look for an answer. Do we all experience frustration? Yes. Do we all experience failure? Yes, we're not perfect. We've established that. We've said that from this place before. We're not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. We're here together to help each other. None of us are perfect. 
We all mess up. We all stuff up. We all fail. But in the midst of our shortcomings, we find these verses, 19 and 21. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. It's the banquet table. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. The glorious reality that we find in these amazing verses is that if we presently find ourselves in lukewarmness, if you're thinking in your heart and your mind this morning, that's me, I've, I've fallen into that trap this past year. I've become lukewarm in my living. I've become complacent in my living. I've become indifferent to the to the trouble that's out there in the world, to the, to the sin sickness that is there. It's, it's speaking to us personally, corporately. With God's help, it's not too late to turn it around. God is at the door. Will we let him in to make those changes in a new and a fresh way? 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That means it's because of our weakness that his power can be made complete in us when we invite him to do so. When we invite him to reignite that fire that perhaps was there, to spark a new fire that perhaps wasn't there. If you're there this morning in that space and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, through a relationship with him, he wants to share in this deep and meaningful communion with us. And if you find yourself in complacency, if you find yourself in lukewarmness, it's not a place where you have to stay, and it's not a shameful place to be. It's, it's, it's reality sometimes, but it doesn't have to be reality. Because in relationship with Jesus Christ... He can help us to overcome that through His power as we give our lives to Him. You've been listening to the Carindale Salvos podcast. If you'd like to discover more or get in touch with us, visit us at salvos.org.au forward slash Carindale or head to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Carindale Salvos. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and tell your friends about it. You can find the podcast on our website or wherever you get your podcasts.